Welcome to the Metabolic MD. Health means everything. We all seek optimal health, but most of us do not know how to achieve it. Dr. Paul Kaladze has spent a career in the emergency department. Now, he helps his patients avoid ever ending up there. During these podcasts, you'll learn how you can lose weight and prevent and reverse disease through new technology, a modified diet, and the use of some new recently approved FDA medications. This information is not meant to be medical advice. Please seek consultation from your own medical provider. Let's listen in. Hey there, folks. We're back at the Metabolic MD. I'm Terry O'Brien, your producer, joined by Daniel Meyer, your producer, and by Dr. Paul Kalazic, our resident host and all-around great guy. Oh, thanks, Terry. Nobody ever says that to me. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> uh, we are here today to say Happy Valentine's Day, and what better way to say that than to talk about diabetes? All that sugar that's going to be pumped into the bloodstreams of the American society is going to happen in about two days, three days from now, right? And can <laughs> diabetes be reversed? That is why we're here to talk about all right. Can you can you can you elaborate? Can diabetes be reversed? Um, diabetes can the symptoms of diabetes can be reversed. The need for medications can be reversed. There is controversy about whether diabetes can completely be reversed or whether it. And we'll get into this. Whether it should just can just be put in remission. I don't quite understand the difference. Reverse and remission, what is the difference? Well, reversal would mean that you completely eradicate the disease and the potential for its recurrence from your body. Remission would be that basically you're putting a stay on your need for medications, which may be for many, many years. And I've had patients, for example, that we've been able to completely get off their diabetic medication for a period of time. But once you're diabetic, you've got progressed insulin resistance, which we'll talk about, and it might be completely, it might be difficult to completely eradicate that. Yeah, as a diabetic for 33 years, as we often talk about, uh, you don't think I could ever go back to the way it was, right? Because I've been on medicine and insulin for a while in this. Yeah, I think you probably have so much insulin resistance because you originally had it and then further insulin use it causes more insulin resistance. That's an interesting topic. So yeah. the, the more you use insulin, insulin, the more you have to use it. Yeah, again, we talked about this because really when you add insulin, you're just bombarding your cells with more and more insulin to be overcome insulin resistance. So I, I think like in your case, you'd never be able to completely reverse your insulin resistance. I think with, you know, aggressive focused, low carb or even keto diet, you could decrease the amount of medication you require. And is that specific to type two diabetes, Terry? You're diabetic type two. I am, yeah. So what's the difference between diabetes type one and then diabetes type two? So type two is a resistance of insulin by your organs. When I say organs, think muscles. Yeah. That they've been bombarded with so have been bombarded with so much blood glucose that they're resisting the signal from insulin to take further blood glucose into your system. Type one is different. Usually occurs in kids. You know, formerly called juvenile diabetes, and it is a lack of production of insulin from the pancreas. So they're really two completely di different disease processes. And type one is usually an autoimmune kind kind of problem. In the last podcast, we talked about pre-diabetes, right? Yeah, how that can be reversed. But once you cross that threshold, 
That's a different story. Yeah, there's controversy amongst us. There's some docs that say you can completely reverse your diabetes. I'm actually, I'm conservative by nature, so I'm not that bold. So I think you can put your diabetes in remission, which means you could get off medications completely for maybe even a prolonged period of time, years. But I think you still got that underlying insulin resistance and there is the risk that it will come back. So if I'm told I have prediabetes and I go into working on a low carb diet, even a keto diet to reverse prediabetes and my prediabetes is reversed. Does that mean I still have to maintain that low carb diet for the yeah, rest of my yeah, life? Yeah, okay. you got to keep your nose to the grindstone. You're going to you can't just, you know, think, "Oh, well, I've accomplished this and now I'm going to go back to the way I used to eat." No, you're going to have to maintain that low carb or keto lifestyle. So if I'm rigorous for say 6 months of being on a low carb diet, and I reverse my prediabetes, can I lax off of that or do I have to maintain yeah, those six I mean, you, months? You, you okay. can moderate a little bit. So I, I never told you guys this story. So, you know, doctors learn more from their patients maybe than the doctors ever teach their patients. So one of the reasons I initially got into this, um, you know, low carb metabolic health lifestyle was that I had a patient in the VA emergency department where I work that, that came in, you know, about a 45 year old guy. Um, and, you know, there we have the luxury of looking at their charts before they come in. So I can see, oh, he's, you know, he's diabetic. His hemoglobin A1C was, you know, 10.6 or whatever. So I went in to see him and I can't even remember the problem he was there for, but we're talking about his issue. And then I said, and I see you're diabet diabetic. And he said, well, I used to be. I mean, what do you mean you used to be? <laughs> because the accepted approach in medicine is that when you're, you know, you're diabetic, you're always diabetic. Right. So he taught me about, the, you know, there are a lot of factors with me getting into the low carb, keto, metabolic health arena. But, but he taught me that you can completely get off your diabetic medications because he had done that. He was diabetic for about four or five years. He went low carb keto, intermittent fasting, strength training, and he was completely off his medications. So from his perspective, he used to be diabetic and he's not diabetic anymore. Now, I do, like we talked about, think there's a risk long term. He <clears throat> may need to be back on medications because he's had significant insulin resistance. But basically, he taught me that you can reverse diabetes. Wow. All right. So pre-diabetes, you, you will say, honestly, you can reverse it, you can stop it in its tracks, but once you cross over, that's it. You're pretty much in the camp of being a diabetic like I am. Yeah, again, it, you could put it in remission for years. Right. Can yeah. we talk about the medicines? Because uh, yeah. we, we had this conversation a little earlier about when did insulin actually arrive on yeah. the scene? What was the year that happened? So 1922, insulin occurred, what was discovered, you know, became mainstream really in the late uh, 20s, uh, 30s or so. And what is insulin? They, yeah. they would. Do you know, is it like they grab a... Uh, pig and do something. I can't remember what it is. What, what is it doing? What are they doing? With so originally, insulin did come, you know, from from animals uh, or was, uh, you know, purified from animals. But now was it, it insulin it's, from it, an animal? It's made synthetically now. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but, you know, what happened then, which I think is unfortunate, is we were taught that, well, yeah, you can just take insulin and, you know, you can eat whatever you want. And, and that's still... 
is mainstream here coming on a hundred years later. Right. That, that you, you know, you, you become diabetic and you're told we'll just add insulin. Um, and, you know, even the diabetic nutritional teaching is, you know, you can have this many carbs or eat this many carbs. Um, and, and really, you should continue to stay focused on a low carb or a keto approach. I shared with you, you know, uh, the, uh, the magazine, clinical magazine that goes to federal health practitioners that came out out last week and the, the title on the cover is does keto hold promise for type 2 diabetes well of course it does it's the only <laughs> way it used to be treated a hundred years ago hey, you read the headline it, it got your yeah. attention <laughs> yeah it, it, unfortunately we've got away from that I mean we can we can decrease the amount of medication that's needed we can maintain better blood sugar control with a dietary intervention so unfortunately a lot of people get the impression because the healthcare system gives them this impression that oh you have diabetes now just go ahead and eat you know whatever you want you know you can eat these carbs or whatever and we'll just give you medicine that will you know control your blood sugar and that's a dangerous road to go down so okay so one of the things we talked about earlier was it came out in 1922 but diet, being a diabetic was somewhat of a rare thing right it wasn't there wasn't a vast millions of us like today it was rare up to what year when did uh, it start kicking? Yeah, so we can, you know, 1972, the food pyramid came out. Yeah. We were told that we couldn't eat fat. We had to eat carbs. We increased our carb intake from 25% of our diet to 50% of our diet, decreased our fat intake from 50% to 25%, and the epidemic of obesity took off, and that was followed by diabetes, insulin resistance and diabetes, because increased fat tissue causes insulin. And resistance. Wow, that's uh, so you you could track it all the way back to that food pyramid change. Yeah, I believe it's it's there there's it's an exact consequence. So, you, you know, the demographics is of of the disease is food pyramid comes in. Shortly thereafter, obesity increases. Look at a movie from the thirties, forties, fifties. You know, you don't see the yeah. amount of obesity. Of, for people in movies that you that we see now, um, and then so obesity followed ten years later by diabetes, pre-diabetes, and diabetes, and then now we have the vascular complications of that, the vascular disease, the heart attacks, the strokes, the peripheral vascular disease, because of course diabetes causes vascular inflammation. When you look at international countries, they don't have near the amount of obesity rates or diabetes rates as America. Can you touch on that a little bit? I like think it's processed food. Processed food. Yeah, okay. it's, it's basically the food pyramid came in. We were told carbs were okay. They don't have a food pyramid in Europe? <laughs> I'm not, I, not, no, they don't. I okay. mean, they, they, you know, people in Europe have a, t and it's interesting, you hear, you hear stories about people that go on vacation in Europe and they expect to gain weight and they come back having lost weight. Mm -hmm. um, they just don't have the degree of processed foods there. There is more regulations related to their food processing industry, but they don't eat as much food, processed food. You know, they, they eat whole foods more. And so that's why the rates of uh, obesity or diabetes are less. Touching on insulin and the cost of insulin, we all know that the cost of insulin is rising and the cost of, what is it, metformin and all these, all these medications are rising. What can we consider with those costs and is going low carb to reduce that medication one of the ways to help reduce our costs? Absolutely. Um, 
So, you know, you can reduce, basically, I've had patients um, that, that I have reduced the amount of insulin they require dramatically. They've been able to get off their diabetic medications. There's actually a company, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, by the name of Virta, V-I-R-T-A. And it is a metabolic health company that goes into very large uh, organizations like you know, General Motors and IBM, for example, and they have a program like my programs using continuous glucose monitors to educate people about their blood sugar. And their whole approach is the company pays them to come in, but by reducing the costs of their the medications for their diabetic population, their insulin and their other diabetic medications, everybody wins. The patient wins because you know the the severity of their disease is lessened. They lose weight. Uh, Verta wins because they're getting paid to provide a service, and the company wins because their healthcare costs go down. Mm. Wow. So. What are some of the other medicines that you've come across in your days? Because I was put on metformin and a few other things. I've put on three things at one time, three different pills I would take. Yeah, metformin is usually the first medication. And then in recent years, there been ultimate, there's been additional medications. And, and, you know, the approach in terms of using three medications always used to be, let's try and keep them off insulin. You know, yeah. let's use this combination of medications to keep them off insulin. So is then, it, but is it, I guess, the question I would have is the first time I've Acid. Is it better to be on insulin or better to be on those medications? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> better to be on none of this? None of the above. <laughs> it, it, it's better. The, the which is the worst evil? Which is the least of the worst evils, right? Well, I think if you control can control things with oral medications, that's the best approach. Um, and what's so, the downside of insulin? The downside of insulin is it breeds more dependence. Basically, mm-hmm. when you're taking insulin, there's two reasons that you require insulin. Initially, when you're diabetic, it's because um, your pancreas, uh, your organs are resisting insulin like we've talked about. Right. And you've got to try and overwhelm that resistance. Right. So you take more insulin to overwhelm that resistance and force the extra blood sugar into your organs in your, in your liver. Um, but then what can happen in later stage diabetics, and you're, you're probably, you know, approaching this or in this You're saying realm. I'm in my late stage? <laughs> your late stage. Yeah, Tara, your late stage. Uh, it is that the pancreas has been pumping out so much insulin that it just burns out. And the beta cells in the pancreas uh, can't produce insulin like it used to. And then you need supplemental insulin. Got it. So, all right, wow. let's keep keep that part of the conversation going. Is it better to be on insulin or better to be on the new GLP-1 medications? And yeah. what? how do they, I know how insulin works, but what's how's the GLP-1 medicine work? Yeah, insulin is kind of the last stop. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's like the ultimate treatment if you need it. You want to avoid insulin as long as you can, yep. I believe. Unfortunately, in American medicine now, you know, we don't do as much dietary education about low carb. You know, low carb was the only way to treat diabetes before 1922. And, and we should have maintained that approach to limit our medication use. But unfortunately, we've got a model now that primarily is, you know, you just just eat and we'll just give you enough insulin to cover your blood sugar. And, and I think that's the wrong approach. You should be very focused, low carb keto diet, minimize the amount of medication you need. Um, uh, the GLP-1s, I think, prior to requiring insulin, 
are a good approach for some people. And of course, they're all the rage now because of their weight loss. We're talking about, you know, Ozembic, which is the same medicine as Wagovi, right. and uh, Monjuro, which is the same medicine as Zepbound. So if I'm on insulin, I can't go back to Wagovi or Zepbound or any of those? No, if you change your diet, there's a good possibility you could do that. Now, advanced diabetics, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. So anything of advanced in Danielle is being a diabetic. (laughs) (laughs) Advanced. Um, But, yeah, for people people that, uh, you know, have, you know, moderate, requirements for insulin yeah you can modify your low carb keto intermittent fasting strength training the things that we talk about repeatedly on this podcast yeah you can back that up so that you might not require insulin anymore and the glp ones might be an appropriate alternative medication to that you know when when you become a diabetic 33 years ago they sent you to a uh, nutritionist right <laughs> as part of your part of your program <laughs> And the nutritionist wasn't like telling you to eat keto stuff, have all the steak you want, have all the chicken. They were basically saying, don't eat. Uh. Right? <laughs> and the limit, limit, it was, it was true. Like, go on a diet. And if you're hungry, that's a hard thing to do. They weren't telling you to supplement that diet with steak or something good. They were just saying, don't eat. Yeah. And that's kind of probably where I got, you know, misdirected. Well, they they probably said, uh, I, I think they say don't eat sugar, which is good. Oh, absolutely. They say yeah. That. Yeah. I, I unfortunately don't think that they advise people to go low carb or keto, which I they, think they, they should didn't. be. And, you know, in medicine, things change slowly and nutritional sciences, they change slowly as well. So I think that that advice really is is good advice so it is valentine's day i know we started this conversation with valentine's day what are some good (laughs) low carb keto valentine's day treats that i can have like smart sweets that's candy that tastes kind of okay Um, what's a smart sweet a smart sweet it's a low sugar high fiber candy alternative I don't think they're I've ever ex- seen that. They're kind of expensive. You can get them at Whole Foods. And that's my so next I, question. Yeah. That's my next question is a follow-up. Sometimes low-carb and keto is expensive. Yeah. So what is the cost-benefit to paying that money up front versus long-term health issues and those yeah, bills? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, there's a cost-benefit there. But, you know, the costs for your health issues are not only the medical costs. Uh, they're the personal costs. Um so, you know, I mean, do you want to risk having a stroke or a heart attack or being on dialysis or, you know, to be blunt, having your leg cut off because of your peripheral vascular disease? So, you know, I, I think I'm not insensitive to the cost of some of these foods, but I think it can be done if you prioritize it. Regarding Valentine's Day, you know, what you mentioned, these smart sweets, um, they are artificial, they have artificial sweeteners in it. I think that is a, a very, very good alternative to sugar. But just like anything else, in moderation, you know, do you like Diet Coke? Yeah, you know, have a Diet Coke, you know, three or four times a week if you like it, but don't have six Diet Cokes a day. So I think you need to moderate that. Well, that's and, good because I only have three. At least it's diet. The other right. three are regular, right? Oh, my. Uh, quick story. I won't bore anybody out there listening, but I would never drink diet. I hated the taste of diet. Uh, tab when I was growing up was a diet alternative, right? 
And then I became a diabetic and I had to make the change. It took like three days of forcing myself to drink Diet Coke. I cannot drink a regular Coke. I hate the taste of regular Coke. Diet Coke's the only way I'd go. But you just get used to it. Same with everything else. Yeah. Lifestyle change. That's my lesson. All right, so what have we left off here as we try to land this podcast? Are there things you want to cover about being a diabetic that we should talk about? So our last podcast, if you haven't listened to it, was you can reverse your prediabetes. Again, 30% of American adults are prediabetic. Half of them don't know it. That means 15% of people out there are prediabetic and don't know it. So you can reverse your prediabetes and prevent yourself ever from progressing to diabetes. And that's roughly 45 million people in the U.S. It's huge. Wow. It's huge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one thing I like to teach people is you're empowered. You know, you're empowered to be able to do this. You you just have to educate yourself because the pharmaceutical industry, the healthcare industry, the food processing industry is not helping you understand or learn this. So you got to go, you got to, you know, empower yourself and educate yourself um, because you can control your long term health related to vascular issues. Well, what I think we should do a podcast on maybe in the future would be uh, children, youth, right? This message, if it gets to them, somehow it's got to get to them because if it could stop me back when I was younger, I would have done things differently. Uh, getting that message to those guys so they're not eating McDonald's all the time and all that crap. Uh, how do you, how do you reach the youth? I, I don't even I don't yeah, even know how yeah. you go about childhood doing obesity, it. teenage yeah. obesity is a huge challenge huge. right now. Yeah. yeah, and and you know I've had young patients that we've been able to pull them back from the edge of pre diabetes patients in their teens. So you know again to redirect somebody that's heading down a road maybe their their parents are both diabetic and right. and you can. Re- redirect them uh, so that they won't have those problems as they age. And if somebody's overweight as a teen, it's likely they're going to be overweight as an adult, correct? Yeah, very, very likely. Yeah. So if you could stop it right there as a starting somehow and reverse that or adjust that, things will be much better for that. Yeah, you talk about saving healthcare costs, you know, being able to redirect somebody in that regard. Well, it's like going outside too. You talk about strength training and exercise. Go outside, kids. Have fun outside. Oh my gosh. Look at Danielle. She's 20 how old are you? In my 20s. In your 20s. She sounds like an old lady over there. Get off my yard, kids. <laughs> so I think the takeaway here, Terry, is whether you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, you can reverse and manage your insulin resistance. All right. Um, and, you know, I do that with my patients where I'm licensed in Ohio, Indiana, Florida, and Arizona. Oh, <laughs> well, we haven't even had the book plug yet. <laughs> you wrote a um, book, Dr. Paul. Yeah, wrote, yeah. so, and, and it's all in the book, but, you know, I work with patients basically, low-carb keto diets, intermittent fasting, strength training, and then, as I like to say, we sprinkle in some of the GLP-1 medications in limited amounts. Um, and then, yeah, what we do and in, in kind of the history of this epidemic and how you can manage your personal health is in the book, The Continuous Glucose Monitor Revolution for Non-Diabetics. Because it's a great I Valentine's use. Day gift, by the available way. Available on Valentine's Amazon. Day gift. Available yeah. on Amazon. So Put a red c- ribbon on it. <laughs> CGM's great tools in non-diabetics and pre-diabetics to really show them, show people what's going on with your blood glucose in your system. We measure fasting insulin levels, so you put that information together, and, uh, and, and it helps people. You know, once people see those curves on their CGM, the continuous glucose monitors, they see their spike and they see they have insulin resistance, then it's, it's, 
very educational and it occasionally can be life-changing for people because now they understand what's going on with their physiology and they get motivated to address it then. Okay. Well, that's a great place to pull off this podcast and, and land this thing. Uh, Danielle, any last thoughts from you, the, the youth of our future? Happy Valentine's Day. Dr. Paul had a wonderful love message to everyone. You are empowered to take back control of your own metabolic health. So I would echo that. You're empowered and that was we a love, love you. Message? I would say it's a love message. Yeah, mm, it's okay. empowerment. All right. Any last words from you? <laughs> No, other than um, buy your book. Actually, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, educate yourself. You know, whether it's with my book or you know elsewhere, educate yourself about. Especially if you have risk factors, your parents are diabetic. There's pre-diabetes in your family. You're overweight. Educate yourself to empower yourself, as Danielle mentioned, because you, you can you, you can go ahead and determine what your health future is going to be. And if anybody out there listening is ever wanting to, to, to talk with Dr. Paul directly, uh, go to Metabolic MD, MDs, MD with the MDS, metabolicmds.com, uh, and uh, fill out one of those little forms, and somebody will get with you, and you can have a conversation with Dr. Paul exactly all the things that he talks about. All right, folks, we're going to leave it here. Thanks for joining us on the Metabolic MD with Dr. Paul Kalazak. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Metabolic MD with Dr. Paul Kolodzik. Please join us again for the next episode to hear how your metabolic health means everything and to learn tips on how to lose weight and possibly reverse some serious health conditions. This information is not meant to be medical advice. Please seek consultation from your own medical professional.